from the Bet America Radio Network. This is the Who Do You Like podcast. Who do you like? With tips, angles, and information to help you win at sports betting. Now, here's your host, Scott Shapiro. Hey, sports fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Who Do You Like podcast. Another relatively light week in the sports I follow intently, other than a challenging series of cards under the Twin Spires once again. And, of course, the Stanley Cup Finals at NBA Finals are rolling along, so hopefully you're enjoying them. A couple of big weeks in my world to come with the Belmont Stakes Racing Festival next weekend and the U.S. Open in two weeks at beautiful Pebble Beach. We'll dive into an early preview of the third leg of the Triple Crown, as well as a peek into Major League Baseball, basically for the first time since our seasonal preview back in March in just a moment. But first, just a quick reminder. If you're new to the pod and like what you hear, you can find it each week on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. Subscribe so you are aware when each new episode goes live. And if you'd be so kind as to hit that five-star rating and leave a comment, it would go a long way. All right, my guest this week joined us on the aforementioned Major League Baseball preview back in March. We chat a lot offline, and we've crushed it some for the most part so far in that preview looking back at it. He's the host of That's What G Said podcast, as well as the co-host of the Mike Abadir show, my buddy from SoCal, Gino Bacola. What's up, Gino? How's the new pod going? Oh, man, going well. It's It was a perfect time to launch it. Um, I, crazy, when I was looking back, it's already been, it was like March 1st, so it's been a while since we talked. It felt like it was not long ago at all, but time's moving quickly, and just with with the Triple Crown going on in the middle of, as you just mentioned, the NBA Finals, NBA playoffs, and NHL playoffs with uh, baseball starting up. It was just a perfect time with so much stuff going on. We talked a lot of Game of Thrones. So it's been fun. Uh, I always love getting a chance to talk because, you know, you and I have always discussed. Uh, we focus, we've, we kind of got our opportunities starting to talk racing, but that doesn't mean that we just talk racing or like racing or no racing. So it's fun when we get the opportunity to the uh, cover all sports, racing. Now I'm talking more TV and movies and that kind of stuff. So very, very fun. Make sure to download that that episode or that uh, that show. That's what G said. You can get it anywhere you listen to. And um, you know, like this week I'll have a show coming out a little later on where I'm going to talk about a NBA Finals preview. Going to go through a, a little all the polls I've been running about the best uh, basketball movie of all time. Gonna have a little wrestling talk on there. A couple of plays for the weekend in horse racing. A play at Penn National and a play at San Anita. So, really going to be all over the board. A smorgasbord of information and fun. It sounds like. And uh, yeah, you, those po- polls that you've been doing have been uh, pretty cool. Tell people a little bit about them. And are they still running as of now? Yeah, we're into the elite eight right now of the uh, the basketball movies. Started out with thirty two, and we just kind of been going through. Putting uh, movies up together and uh, and seeing who who survives. Right now, it looks like based on the way everything's been voting, the top three movies I, I'm expecting to be are Hoosiers, Blue Chips, and White Man Can't Jump. Those ones seem like they're getting the, the bulk of the of the votes. We've had one sort of upset that I didn't think was going to get through, but Teen Wolf. Has been, uh, has been. I think I voted yeah. for Teen yeah, Wolf once or few, twice. A actually, a few upsets. I love Teen Wolf. <laughs> My dad actually built Michael J. Fox's house in like 1989, 1990 here in Bel Air, right when Michael J. Fox was like one of the biggest stars in the world. So I always have a, a place in my heart for Michael J. Fox. Love the Michael J. Fox movies and Teen Wolf. I think they said he might have been one of the all-time 
worst ath- uh, actors to play an athlete because he just he doesn't really look very athletic. He's jumping for the free throws. He's real small, but it's still yeah. a, it's still a great '80s movie. So that one snuck into the Elite Eight. Yeah, he's one of my favorites from back in the day. Alex P. Keaton, Family Ties. I, I saw Secret of My Success over the last month lying around uh, on a Sunday, slow Sunday, I believe. But, uh, yeah, to me, one of those stands out. And uh, not that white men can't jump and blue chips aren't great movies, but Hoosiers to me is yeah, one of the all-time, all-time great movies. And, of all uh, sports, too. That one's mentioned when, when you talk all sports movies is like just right. an, an all-time great. And I watched it, which is fun. It was my research this last week was rough. I, I watched about uh, 25 of those 32 movies the last week or two. So just a miserable week or so for me watching all these sports <laughs> sports movies. And Hoosier still kind of, you still get the feels when you watch it, you know, when, when Jimmy Chitwood comes sort in. Sort of. Yeah, you know, it's... it's Run the picket fence. That's yeah. Part it is, to me when, and, when they run the picket fence. Is and Bill, Bill Simmons has a great article where he actually goes through and tries to figure out what the box score is from the final game and how many points Jimmy Chitwood actually scores. And he goes through the whole movie he documents that he actually only misses four shots throughout the whole movie. He's like 29 for 33 throughout <laughs> throughout the shots you see him take. So just really funny. It's great to, to know that there are some dorks out there that love this stuff just as much as we do. Yeah, Hoosiers to me, easy top five movie and and best sports. But that's a cool cool thing you're doing. I hope you I hope you plan on doing more. Let's um. Let's start out with some uh, horse racing talk with the Belmont coming up, and then we'll touch on some baseball after that. And before we get into the Belmont and that card a little bit, just overall thoughts on what you've seen in the first two Triple Crown races. Obviously, the the controversial disqualification. I don't need to know what you think on the DQ, but just in the race and the horses that came out of it and then what we saw in the Preakness. Yeah, I thought it was a good um, – it was, it was good for racing. I thought it was fun that Wilt Warville was able to win that that preakness after the issues in in the derby and obviously we're all a little bummed that we haven't been able to see maximum security come back or country house come back but i think what we've seen so far is we've seen some price we've seen a couple prices whether or not you like the Thank DQ, God. and because yeah. because we were getting you know a slew of in particular in the derby very chalky results and that was getting people i guess frustrated kind of rethinking how they play the derby kind of talking about the point system and does that even need tweaking but i'm glad that we were able to get some prices in there and and you know what i don't think we're going to see what looks like maybe nine or ten horses i have that that are pointing towards the belmont and i don't know if we're going to see any that maybe the top top tier besides a war of will and a tacitus those might be the two horses that everyone's pointing to but i think this group now has a little bit of buzz and is is Kind of an interesting three-year-old group moving forward because of everything that happened in the in the Derby in the Preakness moving forward. So yeah, I mean, and even more so than looking forward to the Belmont race this year because there's no Triple Crown on the line, anything like that. Just the Friday and Saturday in general. I mean, you have four graded stakes races on Friday, and you start talking about like the names of horses we're going to see. You know, people forget about a horse like Catalina Cruiser for John Sadler, who was one of the best older horses in training last year. He's going to make his return on Friday before the Belmont in the True North against Whitmore and Strike Power. You know, you're going to see like Marley's Freedom. I know Philly that you like Shalone probably running on the Friday undercard. Broke she, my heart. She yeah. crushed you last year <laughs> in the Philly and Mare Sprint. She's going to be running in the bed of roses. And then you have the distance horses in the Gold Cup with Arklow, Highland Sky, Hunter O'Reilly, Santa Monica, Holy Helena, Home Reek. That's just on Friday. 
No, then you get to Saturday on the undercard, and you have basically, you know, like the mini Breeders' Cup in that the top horses in each of the divisions will be running. You know, you'll see one of the best horses on the grass, Bricks and Mortar, along with like Raging Bull and, and Robert Bruce, the Kentucky Oaks winner, Serengeti Empress. In the Jiper, you get all those turf sprinters that we know world of trouble disco partner bound for nowhere and then in the easy goer you get the kind of the next tier of horses that weren't quite belmont horses and dream maker mucho gusto nolo contesta last judgment the sprinters you know much better mind control how about the met mile scott i think is what a race people are are a little bit concerned with you know the depth in some of the divisions right now but I think it's because a lot of the older horses and the really good ones are all pointing to the Met Mile. You know, Pavel, Thunder Snow, Promises Fulfilled, Frenzy Fire, McKinsey, Matoli, Coalfront. You get that mix of the sprinters and then the, the horses who are maybe a little more classic types, and they're all coming together at the mile. And then you get Midnight Bisu, who has been awesome this year. She's one of the best, if not the best, top Philly and mayor, older Philly and mayor right now in training. So even if you're not, you know, you're not getting a bunch of Bafferts showing up in the Belmont and you're not going to get the Derby winner or the Derby winner against the Preakness winner. You're still going to get a damn good two race, two days of racing. Yeah. You bring up two really good points. First one um, is the Met mile, which, you know, I bring it up almost every year and I really miss it being on Memorial day because it really made that day great. Um, and it was really kind of goes back to my beginning days in my teens when I was really getting into racing and maybe even a little earlier, my dad took me to the track and living in New Jersey, the Garden State Park, we'd go to the Jersey Derby, which would be a huge day back then. And then the Met Mile would be on simulcast. And I remember, um, you know, some of the better ones, easy go or criminal type house busters, the one that comes to mind. And it's not like it's lost in the shuffle because this day is so But you huge. just don't need it. No, I know what you mean. You just don't need it. You don't need it on this day yeah. because with with the Belmont and with all of these other good races, you'd be fine. And yeah, you, can, nobody, you can build another day just around the Met. Right. And nobody would nope. this day wouldn't be that much. You know, it, it just gets overshadowed a little bit. And to me, it's outside of the Triple Crown races. It's my favorite race of the year, period. I love the one turn mile. I love the handicapping, trying to determine the horses stretching out the Matolis of the world, he, maybe, you know, promises fulfilled. And then the horses cutting back the McKinsey's and the Thunder Snows and how, how that fits together. And uh, it's a very unique puzzle. And it's such a big race. And, and I, the t- even the timing of it in the middle of the year, it works out perfectly for horses just kind of taking a shot, you know, in the middle of the year, just like you mentioned, stretching out a little bit, cutting back a little bit. It's great. It, it's perfect where it is, just maybe a week or two later you know that's all like you said move it back a little bit or move it forward a little or bit memorial day memorial day weekend yeah, just yeah. so it's so it's not right on that same weekend when we have so much else going on because this could be a great anchor you know for for any other yeah. card or for another weekend and and we would we would love you know just focusing in on that race for the weekend so i mean I, i'm excited as a handicapper because i was able to start you know getting a good look at, at a lot of these Horses who are pointing towards the Belmont now and and just kind of going through all of these probables. That's when you start to get excited and you start to remember that, wow, this, this is going to be another really big Friday, Saturday coming up next week. 
Yep. And before we dive a little bit into the Belmont real quick, you mentioned that you're excited about the way the three-year-old class shapes up uh, moving forward. And that is the unique thing about this race. A lot of times these horses bang heads two, three times during the Triple Crown series. It kind of takes a little bit of the, the luster away from uh, the, the later, you know, the summer type racing where you kind of get a feel like justify. We know he was the much the best. And, you know, right now there's so much up in the air, you know, war of will, country house maximum security so at least if they all come back healthy for the haskell the jim dandy the travers the pennsylvania derby we've got that to look forward to as a positive of not seeing them all bang heads here and you don't think we're going to get a full year where baffert's just going to be quiet and all these <laughs> i mean he had a triple crown where he didn't get involved a whole lot you you have to expect he's sitting there and we know he's when you're that good you have an ego he has to be saying I still think game winner might be the best. You know, he in his head, that's probably what he's thinking in the back of his head. I still think he might be the best of this group. He could probably beat some of these horses. And yeah. so he's actually pointing, I think they said, maybe a one prep in the Travers or or something like that. And and we'll see. As as I mentioned, I think there's still a lot that's going to happen with in the in the second half of the season with the Colts, with the Phillies too. We haven't really seen a ton from the Phillies stepping forward, a lot of this group from two to three. So mm-hmm. I still think a lot of these horses are just going to be maybe a little later developing and we're going to get some really big performances from the three-year-olds and the, and the three-year-old Phillies in the next, you know, four or five months. Makes sense. A game winner did run huge in the Derby. He was, you know, I mean, 18 wide and way back early and still was in the, you know, basically in the picture. So it seemed like, he, you know, a little hurt after that or else I really think he'd be in the Belmont. Yeah. But uh, but hopefully we get to see it, see if, you know, if he really truly can move forward off that two-year-old campaign by the end of the year. You never know. We could get a, a West Coast type um, who actually kind of stepped forward in the easygoer uh, a couple years ago and then you know won the travers and and did his thing let's just talk a little bit about the belmont we don't know post positions we don't know the official field yet and you kind of mentioned it war of will and tacitus uh if you look at offshore markets and things like that they're the clear two favorites it appears maybe tacitus will go off the favorite do you have a preference of these two going into the race or not quite there yet yeah, I mean, just of those two, I'd prefer Tacitus. I, I just think in this particular case that I would likely play against War of Will in that this is going to be, you know, his third race. He's going to be one of probably the only horse that is going to go through all three races in, in this Triple Crown this year. He might just be a little bit more taxed. No no pun intended there with tax <laughs> likely pointed to the the Belmont also. But I, I just don't think he will quite have as much as a horse like Tacitus who took off and has been pointing more towards the Belmont, whereas War of Will was obviously focusing in on winning the Preakness. You know, I didn't really watch Tacitus's race too much until I think yesterday when I was starting to look at this because Tacitus wasn't running again. And, you know, it's funny with all the buzz and everything that happened in the Derby, we were all focusing so much on maximum security, War of Will, all of that, you know, the trips that they had. That I wasn't really ever just kind of watching Tacitus's full trip all the way through. Man, he was a step slow. He tried to get to the inside, but he got stopped. He got traffic. He was pushed back. He was like 10 lengths off, but then he settled. He found a spot in between horses, and what I really liked about him is he had just multiple gears. It looked like mm-hmm. he tried to go and then got stopped. You know, got shuffled back. He moved through. Then he had to wait. He asked. He was responded. Then he shot through and he passed like six horses real quick to move up into another spot. He just seemed very push button. 
And um, and if you're just playing horses off of the Derby, you had to like him. But if you cross the Derby out completely and you're playing horses off of their form prior to the Derby, we're talking about a horse who just won the Wood Memorial and the Tampa Bay Derby prior to that. I think to me, he's the obvious one to beat in here. And I think he's going to be a pretty short price because when you just look at everyone who was talking about the the Belmont right after the Derby, they were all talking Tacitus. Tacitus is going to be my Belmont play. Tacitus is going to be the play for the Belmont. So the concern is that he gets hit pretty hard at the windows and, you know, we'll have to kind of wait and see where he, where he floats up to, but I think he's going to be a deserved short price horse in here. Yeah. And just to piggyback uh, war of will, I have uh, a little bit of question marks regarding the mile and a half, maybe even a, a little more than a little bit. Tacitus, I don't. I always thought his strength, even though I wasn't in love with him in the Derby, I thought he'd be more of an underneath type. And uh, fortunately, he got moved up to third and was a part of the trifecta that I backed into. I would have had it the other way, but this one worked out better. But uh, but I was always never, you know, I was never concerned, I should say, uh, with him being able to get the mile and a quarter. And therefore, you got to assume the mile and and a half should be right up his alley son of tap it just appears that he can has that look of a horse that can run all day whereas war of will not only do you have the question of fatigue but you have the question of that mile and a half um it doesn't look like there's a ton of pace in here on first look um i have a gut feeling and what are your thoughts that one of the pletchers is going to end up being on the lead whether that's spinoff and intrepid heart and i actually like spinoff a little bit in here um i think he's going to sit a great a great trip in the Derby, he broke well. They moved him along nicely. He was up to fifth. He was in a few. He was within a few lengths. He was in the clear. And then what ended up happening is the horses to the inside. Horses kind of kept kind of going inside of him, and it floated him out even more. He was out in yeah. a five-six path, and he was all in early. But I'm, you know, it's the Derby. I like the the spot that he was in. I'm willing to to cross the the race out in the finish in particular you knew in the louisiana derbies three deep into the turn he sat third he was just a few lengths off he's behind the top two battling it out he moved up to contend without being asked he opens up a length mid stretch he keeps trying he's a clear-cut second and in that race country house was fourth who comes back and whether or not you you liked him in the derby or you thought he deserved to be the winner he ran well to finish he second and huge, then be yeah. put up and then war of will was ninth in that race, and he came back and won the Preakness. So Spinoff comes out of a good Louisiana Derby. I like the way he kind of placed himself in the Derby. He backed up. I don't think he's going to have to deal with as much pressure, as much you know moving around. He maybe works out a really nice spot. He's a, a horse at a very early look that I think, you know, playing in the Belmont, so many times we 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 hear people, you, you get the horse that comes running late in one of the races that you automatically feel like is going to win the Belmont. You know, my, I've been hearing a lot about Sir Winston who been, who's come running late in the Peter Pan and I, I don't have any knocks on him. And, you know, I'm not saying that he can't win the race, but I like horses that are going to be sitting a lot closer come to the Belmont. You know, I want him to be getting the jump or have some kind of a tactical advantage on the rest of the group because they're just generally not going quick enough for it to set up for that horse yeah. who's coming from way behind. You know, you want the horse who's going to be within a few lengths and be able to move kind of early into it. That might be spinoff in here. And I'm going to have him, like right now, he would be the horse that I'd probably bet just based on, I think I have nine listed right now. Let me know if I'm missing anyone that you know. Jovia, spinoff, Everfast, War of Will, Sir Winston, Tax, Tacitus, Master Fencer, and Intrepid Heart. And obviously we heard Master Fencer had a little bit of an issue with the stumble in a, in a workout on Wednesday. So he seems like he's okay at the moment, but I 
think that's all I have. Did those, you have anybody else pointed? Those, those are the nine I have as well. We'll see how it shakes out over the next couple of days. And just to get back to spinoff, this is a very talented horse, I think, that came into the Derby lightly raced. I made the argument going into the Derby on the work I did that he ran the better race than by my standards, who everyone was in love mm-hmm. with. That was debatable, but he was the one that was wide, while by my standards had that perfect ride, I thought, under Gabriel Saez. Um, the pedigree here does not suggest that going further, you know, going mile and a quarter, mile and a half will be a problem. And like you said, the biggest myth, I think, one of the biggest myths in racing is that a closer's benefit from the stretch out to a mile and a half yeah they've won some of these belmonts you know if you look back of course they've won some but like victory gallop beating real quiet it happens but overall you want that tactical speed especially because it does not look like there's a lot of pace in here and i think uh it'll be interesting to see who pletcher goes to in here manny franco maybe but uh johnny v rode the horse three times before but has ridden intrepid heart all three times um so it'll be interesting but i'm with you as spinoff being the gamble i wouldn't be surprised if he ends up third choice no, but it no. would be a distant third choice i yeah, think i agree because there are going to be some horses that are just kind of dismissed i don't i don't like Jovia, it's just so hard to kind of know what you're going to get from him because his last victory, it was a field of four. It was the slop. He got the lead from the inside, and then one of the horses went down. It was only a field of three that finished. Everfast, he was 30 to one in the Preakness when he ran second. I mean, he was 60 to one in the Pat Day Mile right before that. Yeah, <laughs> and the he's only a reason why he was, he was 30 to one was because people just don't let horses get to be that big of a price anymore in the triple crown races. So he, he was on a golden rail. I'm going to have to make him prove it again. Um, and then Master Fencer, I thought he was interesting based on how he ran in the Derby, but you never like to hear things like this happening before a big race. Something went on in the morning. I never like horses having some kind of inflammation a week out, a week and a half <laughs> out from the race. Nope. That's never a positive. So, you know, you start knocking horses off kind of one by one. I wasn't really high on Intrepid Heart. His Keeneland race was good. He had a little bit of a slow start, but, it, you know, it, the stumble, I don't know how bad it was, and I don't know, you know, how much it really took out of him in in that race. So I start knocking horses off, and the one, as you mentioned, you know, War of Will and Tacitus, they look logical. You kind of start ending up on spinoff as a horse with the most upside that really does seem to be the most intriguing to you as of now. So we'll know. Maybe a couple horses – add or drop in the next few days but right now i think spinoff and maybe tax would kind of be the next horse i i gave a look to is i think there's there's still a little something there ran well in new york uh he was kind of mid-pack in the derby was traveling well behind horses and you know once uh, once horses started to back up he was on the inside and he was in tight so he was in a little bit of trouble because he just he was it was right amongst all the, the tiring backing up horses so i think he may have had a little bit of an excuse in the Derby too. So those spinoff and tax are probably the two from just a betting standpoint where I would start. Well, we're on the same page. The one thing I'll say about Intrepid Heart probably wants to be closer, and that took him out of yeah. the game. But but visually, uh, that Keeneland race though, he had a perfect trip three wide and was was under a bit of a drive to get by High Crime, who um, didn't run all that bad on on the Derby undercard in the race that Hidden Scroll was in, but but definitely disappointed a little bit. So he's going to need to take a step forward. It is interesting that. Fletcher clearly had this race in mind because he brings him back into the Belmont with, you know, a subpar effort. But I'm with you on tax being the other horse. I was not into this horse before the Derby. I didn't give him as many. 
Yeah, and I didn't give him as much of an excuse in that race. But what I didn't like, I mean, you got Danny Gargan coming back to his home turf of New York. Maybe it was the slop. And the pedigree is certainly there for this horse to run all day by Arch um, out of a Giants Causeway uh, mayor toll. So I'm with you um, with the horses to consider at this point. We'll have to see how it all shakes out when they draw on Tuesday night. But uh, let's uh, we have make a little time here uh, for the base to discuss some baseball. I think we um, overall did some real good work. We got a couple really strong touts in that uh, most of them in the AL uh, from that preview. But uh Let's just talk talk a little bit about the um, both leagues and and how you're feeling now. We have the AL East and AL Central and AL West. We seem to really be on to those teams. We both like the Yankees coming in. Uh, the Twins were probably the best thing we gave on that. Uh, at least at this point, we gave them out as a division winner at plus three twenty five and over eighty four wins. They're thirty seven and seventeen for God's sake. And the Yankees have been dominating with that with some injuries. Uh, and the Orioles, as everyone said, uh, are a train wreck that we thought after probably being a poor team, 17 and 39 right now. Some overall thoughts. I guess we're feeling good about the uh, about the totals and about the plays we made, right? Yeah, the Yankees look really good, man. They just got Paxton back. Judge is coming in soon. D.D. Gregorius is coming in soon. So they're going to be really, really tough because they've been doing it with, you know, a lot of just patch and fill in types players. Uh, I'm, I'm a little... You know, I think we called the AL East. If you're a Boston fan, I don't want to say I'd be worried, but I'd be in. They're in a little bit of trouble as far as trying to win the division because you know they're eight games in the loss column now behind Tampa and the Yankees, two good teams. You're not really expecting either one of them to collapse, so they're going to have to try to get by two good teams if they want to win the division. And if not, they're going to be you know playing in a one game wild card to try to keep their their season going on, um, continuing. I know we're we're. It sounds like the baseball season just started, but we're already more than a third of the way through. So we've actually had a, a really good sample size right now. The Twins are just, I you know, I expect them to be good. I predicted, I think, right around like high 80s to in wins and over. They are really, really good. I didn't think their pitching would be this good, and I didn't think their offense would be this good. They have a plus 112 run differential. And just <laughs> to crazy. give you an idea, they've scored 324 runs. Only three other teams have scored 300, and just barely. The Dodgers have 306, the Rangers have 304, and the Red Sox have 303. So they're 20 runs better than the the second highest scoring team. They are just crushing the ball. I do think from um, can they win it all? Can they make a some noise in the American League playoffs? They're going to need to make a move or two. And if I were them, I would make that move right like soon, right now. I'd go get Kimbrel. I'd go get another piece in the bullpen, and maybe even another like end of the rotation arm because their pitching's been good. But I don't know if it's going to hold up for a full year because there's a couple young players that we just haven't seen prove it for a full year with the Twins yet. I would make that move right now because the Indians are in some trouble. I mean, they're going to be sellers very soon. They're 10 games back behind the Twins right now. They have a banged-up Clevenger who's kind of on the way back. Kluber's been awful and injured. Bauer's been bad. They could sell, they could trade both Kluber, Bauer, Santana. If they aren't close in the wild card you know, in the next two, three weeks, they're a team that could really drastically change you know, their franchise by who they're getting rid of in, in the next year or two. And um, – and, that division is the one that, yeah, we've been, I think, the most spot on with the Twins just uh, and, and, and the Indians moving backwards. And then the Astros. How, how good are the Astros, Scott, when they're doing this this year without really anything from Altuve? He's hitting 240. He's been on the, on the injured list for the, the last few weeks. Springer's now banged up. 
Correa is now banged up. Yeah. So they might be a team for the next month or two who's reeling a little bit. I don't think I think they have enough of an advantage and enough depth to be okay. But they the next month or two they might be a team to play maybe against or some unders and the over unders because their offense won't be quite as potent. The the Rangers are kind of I think one of the teams I've been the most wrong about just in that they're getting really good vet contributions from you know Hunter Pence, Logan Forsythe. As Drupal Carrera, and then you're getting Joey Gallo, who's playing like one of the best players in the league. So they have a f- very fun offense. Another team who I'm not sure their pitching can sustain, but as far as the AL is concerned, we can pat ourselves on the back a little bit. I think we did pretty good so far in the in the American League. Yeah, no doubt about it. And the Twins, uh, they will have their work cut out for them. You know, it seems like they're going to win the division nine and a half games up uh, as we speak here on Thursday, uh, the 30th of May. Um, and But uh, they will have to beat the Yankees and the Astros. I had Alan Denkinson dink on uh, last week, and we touched a little bit on baseball thoughts overall. And he thinks the Astros at this point are the most obvious clear-cut yeah best team in baseball he definitely doesn't really like the idea of betting them in a futures market because of tired arms and things that could happen and i don't disagree with uh with that school of thought but the twins to beat the astros and the yanks like you said are likely gonna gonna have to do something um we missed you know we missed on some stuff in the nl at this point Certainly the biggest whiff, I think, um, the Nationals being a major contender. Uh, we're not the only ones that thought that, but at 24 and 32, they've been a major yeah. disappointment. At the same point, we thought the Phillies would be the team that they'd be uh, messing with at the top of this division, and they have been good at 33 and 22. We thought the NL Central would be one of the more competitive divisions in baseball, and it is. We were kind of off a little bit on the Cardinals being the class, at least as of now, we've seen them make some big runs uh, in the past later in the season. But right now, the Cubs and Brewers, once again, up top a little better. The The Cubs certainly were a team that one of the few unders I played this year, and they've been better than I thought after kind of a bumpy start. The Brewers, same thing, kind of have been uh, better than I thought. And then your Dodgers, like you mentioned before we uh, got on the air here, the Dodgers uh, are rolling. Their Bellinger's been unbelievable. They just they seem to have that fire that maybe they lacked until the very end of last year. Thirty-seven and nineteen appear on their way to another NL West uh, crown and and probably home field advantage throughout the NL playoffs. Um, feeling good about the Dodgers, I take it. Yeah, they need to they need to make a. It's funny because you feel like they need to make a move because their bullpen has been awful. But when you look at the bullpen on paper, it's it's just a head scratcher. It's just guys that aren't, execu- aren't executing. Because when you start with Kenley, you went and you brought in Joe Kelly. Pedro Baez was the second half of the season was the Dodgers' best reliever and one of the best relievers in baseball. And then from a really a really deep starting rotation, you're able to move. Julio Urias and Ross Stripling. So right there, there's five arms that you should be able to trust out of the bullpen. The problem is, is that Joe Kelly has an 8.35 ERA and a 1.91 whip through 19 games. This is not like one game where he gave up five runs. He has been miserable. Like he has even admitted he single-handedly has lost like four different games for the Dodgers. They could have, you know, 12 or 13 losses if it wasn't for him and a couple of the other bad bullpen pieces. And so they've been like losing as a team in the bullpen and, and they're what they're really bad at, which is, doesn't make sense. They're inherited runners. They're one of the worst teams in the league with allowing their inherited runners to score. So I don't know if that's going and getting a Kimbrel 
going and getting another arm or some of these guys that are there that are you know supposed to be a little bit better just have to execute more is what do you do with a guy like Joe Kelly you know who you you have locked up for a few years and you have paid a big contract cuz the Dodgers have paid you know a lot of money now into their bullpen between Kenley yeah. and Joe Kelly they're paying the bullpen a lot more than most teams are so it's not that they haven't tried it's just that they aren't quite executing. So I think well, pens are finicky, right? I and, mean, you just like, never know what you're going to get. You, you mentioned like. this in in the, the the first baseball pod we did, you know, a couple months ago. Is that you can bullpens are really hard to project too. Yeah, you can project one from year to year, but the relievers can go. Their variances can be really high. You know, you can have a reliever that was awful last year be one of the best relievers in the game this year, and that's not even that. You know. You just don't see it that often with with starters, that kind of a variance. So we'll see with the Dodgers because if you're a good team, you don't want to be going into how many games when they have the lead like this that they've given up. That That's not a situation you want to be in moving forward. Uh, the, the couple of teams that I think are interesting that I do think are going to flip, the Cubs – Joe, I know I'm hoping Joe Christofek is going to hear this because he's he's going to hit me some crap about this one too. But the Cubs fans, they hate those Pakota projections, which did not like the Cubs very much going into the season. And I've been getting a lot of crap from from people there. I mean, you analytics nerd, you're such a nerd. And I'm like, these are just these are just basic projections. These aren't even like deep analytics in the weeds. It was just like ERA projections that were so high. And that was my only thing with the, with the Cubs over the last like month and a half, they played really, really well. And I started looking down at the numbers and seeing why I would never have been shocked if the Cubs were winning games, you know, eight, six, 10, eight with their, with their offense and with their lineup. But when you looked at why they were winning, John Lester after seven games, had a 1.16 ERA. And I'm looking at that going, you know, that's probably not going to hold up. Not sustainable, so, probably. And so, and you know, that was frustrating a lot of the Cubs fans. They're going, well, maybe it is going to hold up. You know, I don't think so. Because since then, his last three starts, he's given up five earned runs, four earned runs, and seven earned runs. When this article came out a couple weeks ago, that was, it was an ESPN article talking about why the the projections were so wrong on the Cubs. It showed what the projections were supposed to be for the Cubs and how their pitchers have performed so far. He had a 2.06 ERA at the time, and he was projected to have a 4.42. Since that article now, in just two starts, he's gone from a 2.06 to a 3.59. Hamels, he was at a 3, right around a 3 ERA when that came out. In his last two starts, he's only pitched a total of 8 innings. He's given up 9 earned runs, 16 hits, and 6 walks, and only struck out 6. So the, that right there in just 4 starts has really evened those numbers out a little bit. And so I think, I'm not I'm not saying the Cubs can't make the playoffs or can't win. I just don't think they were this much better than everyone to where their margin of error was so huge. Like they're going to be playing in a lot more tight games now because their pitching isn't that good. That was my only issue. And I think so we're going the to under see- has hope. The under yeah, has I, hope. I think that's so. The, I think that's we're the moral see- of the story. We're going to see them come back to life a little bit. <laughs> I mean, the Cardinals, Scott, were six and 18 in May. They're better than that. I mean, I they're, know. they're not that bad. And so even if they just kind of even out and play more of a, more of 500 ball moving forward, you know, and then you see the reds, the Reds are four games under 500, but they have a plus 36 run differential, and they've been getting really nothing from Votto and Puig until recently. I expect them to improve a little bit. They're hitting Peraza and Barnhart, who are two of their everyday players, who are also hitting under 200. 
They had four guys hitting, you know, 200, 210 or under in their everyday lineup for the first third of the season. Now, if they only move to 230, that's going to help them win a few games. So if you're looking for one kind of wild card team to bet, I might take a swing on the Reds because I think they have the opportunity to swing things in a really tight division. Yeah, my friend uh, Michael Rathburn at Fantasy Rath on Twitter actually a couple weeks ago, very big baseball guy worth to follow, um, both in fantasy and in you know overall projecting. It hit me up and mentioned the same thing about the Reds, so it's interesting that you say that. Well, I mean, we we once again hit the wall here to end quickly. Uh, we could talk forever about sports, Gino, and uh, look forward to, to doing so again soon. Remind everybody where they can follow you on Twitter, and as importantly or more, remind them about the podcast, what you have coming up and where they can find it on twitter it's me gino b and the podcast uh, the mike abadir show i'm co-host on that that one comes out every thursday evening and then that's what g said you can download you can subscribe to that anywhere you get your podcast um coming up i will have uh, a big show just a little later on a couple hours after i record with you where we preview the nba finals talk basketball movies um talk a little bit of wrestling talk a little bit of uh, a little Baseball is all over the place. And then next week, a couple big Belmont shows when the during the Triple Crown races are big days. I will do like a two hour podcast where I go through every single race, trip notes on every horse, the replays, the charts, you name it. If you don't like my voice, you won't like that podcast because it's a lot of me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, those there'll be two of them coming out next week where we preview the Friday races and then the Saturday races. So those are a lot of work. But I look forward to those. Once once I record those and put them in, it's always time to crack a beer and then just uh, settle in and, and have fun the next few days. Good. And, and so it sounds like you do video too, right? You, is it on YouTube as well? You said you well, mentioned I have the, the place. I have the YouTube up, but um, on YouTube only plays the like the audio of the podcast. So I'll, I basically okay. just go through all the trip notes myself. You know, I'll give you I'll give you my analysis of really every single horse, whether or not I like them or not. You know, that's one thing I, I try to do because you know, I can give you the two horses that I like, but I'll give you the reasons why I wasn't as interested in some of the other horses that maybe you do like or maybe you do want to play. Cool. And that's just and you fly solo on this, which is definitely a challenge. Anyone that does yeah, I'll have, anyone does this knows that. I'm so technically impressive. horrible. So I've been just I've been I've done a couple practice um uh, interviews so far. So I just wanted to make sure that when I start bringing people on for interviews, which uh, hopefully we'll have you on uh, shortly, uh, very soon, I want to make sure that I had everything ready to rock. And I didn't, I could see myself interviewing, recording people, dropping their audio, losing it, getting mad, <laughs> throwing things at the wall. I just said, you know what, we'll, we'll do a few of them, practice ones, and we'll have them ready to rock before we start bringing people on. Sounds good, buddy. Well, once again, great having you. We'll definitely uh, have you back soon. I love being able to um, to have someone that can, you know, move from from uh, sport to sport and racing in the sport. So a great fit for the program. So appreciate your time and appreciate everyone uh, listening. We'll be back to be all Belmont Stakes card uh, next week. Midweek, we'll have Emily Gullickson from Optics EQ in Brisnet. And then two weeks from now, U.S. Open, we'll have Garrett Skiba, our golf guy, back. But until then, good luck in all your endeavors. This has been the Who Do You Like podcast. For more information and to place your bets, go to betamerica.com.